Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Amen. God is good. Amen. Yes. We're just so happy to be here today and to see each and every one of you. Praise God. You know, it's, it's such a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. And today, um, I'm going to invite you, if you'll open up your Bibles, to the, the Psalms 103, verses 15, 16, and 17. We're going to talk today about and reflect in the, on the, in, through the Word of God on our need of God. Our need of God. Amen? Praise God. You know, it's a Sunday, and we've been here, some of us, since the morning time, and we can't help to notice as we drive to, work, uh, to church, I'm sorry, as we drive to church, things we see out there. We'll talk a little bit about it or present it to you. For right now, we're going to read Psalms 103. Praise God. Verses 15, 16, and 17. And the Bible says the following. As for man, or humanity, his days are as grass, a flower of the field. So he flourish, flourish something, right? Flourish. He flourishes. <laughs> for the wind pass, passeth over, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. That's Psalms 103, verses 15, 16, and 17. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, one more time we come before you, Lord, and this time we ask in Jesus' name that you prepare our hearts and our bodies, Lord, our mind, our soul, to be able to receive the word of God. And I believe, Lord, that every time you speak to us, you edify us and you correct us and you nourish us with the word of God. And I thank you for that. And in Jesus' name, I put myself, place myself in your hands once more that you will speak to us, Lord, in Jesus' name, for your honor and for your glory. Remove everything and anything, God, that may try and distract us, Lord. Maybe we have a concern, job-related, family-related, health-related, whatever it may be, God, I ask you to help us set it aside and to just receive the word of God today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. You may be seated. I don't know if uh, many of you have probably noticed on the news that right now, I believe it's uh, Riverside County that they are experiencing quite a, a bloom of uh, flowers on the countryside or on the mountains, and there's a ton of traffic going in that direction. And the flowers have been described as uh, having created a very beautiful landscape, the color of the flowers. Uh, I believe some of the, they say they're poppy flowers or different kinds. Lake Elsinore, amen? And, you know, all those things, they, they look really beautiful. And they believe that one of the reasons that it's uh, blooming so much is because of the fact that we had actually quite a lot of rain. And with the rain, I don't know if you, if you have a yard, you're suffering with the grass and the weeds, if there's weeds there. Um, and it just grows and grows so much and so quick because there's rain, there's water, there's sunlight. Um, and these flowers are beautiful, but these flowers are temporal. They're, they have their season, their time, and their beauty is going to wither away. And today I'd like for us to consider about how we ourselves are like the flowers of the countryside and how we have a start time and an end time here on earth, not uh, withstanding or not, not ignoring the fact that the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes that he has placed eternity in each and every one of them. That means that, yes, we have a day that we are born and then we are growing up through life and a time will come because it is already determined that every man shall die once and then after this comes a judgment and no one is exempt from this except we saw that Moses and uh, I'm not I'm, excuse me not Moses uh, there's a thing there where where there's a appearance of Moses that kind of throws a lot of people off it's uh, um, Enoch and Elijah that have not died but since you and I are not Enoch and Elijah, we are going to have a day where we will close our eyes for the last time. I'd like to kind of put this idea in your mind for you to digest it a little bit or consider it. It's not a true story. It's not a biblical account. 
it does have something that we need to think about. It's not real people, but just imagine a mother that loves her daughter gets a phone call at home and the police department is calling and asks the woman, are you so-and-so? Yes, I am. Are you the mother of this young lady that this is her name? Yes, I am. And they said to her, unfortunately, we're giving you a phone call. We're placing this phone call because we need you urgently at the uh, hospital. Your daughter was involved in a very serious and grave accident, and she is in, in intensive care. You need to get here right away. And consider this mother that gets in her vehicle and begins to quickly drive towards the hospital. Maybe the hospital where she had first given birth to her daughter. And now she's hastily making her way there, encountering red lights, becoming impatient at every stop sign. When she finally gets to the hospital and goes into the elevator, goes up to the intensive care unit area. She sees her daughter and her daughter looks at her in very serious condition, can speak to her barely, but says, Mama, you taught me how to brush my teeth. Mama, you taught me how to dress myself. You taught me how to take care of myself, how to save money. You taught me the importance of a very good education. But Mama, you had never taught me before how to be ready to die. And it's something that we gotta think about because as human beings, we tend to be caught up in the right now, this moment. Things are just got us so busy that we forget about the fact that there are things that are very important in our lives. And our priorities tend to get mixed up. If you are not in Christ, your priorities are anything other than Christ. And last week, I believe that God spoke to each and every one of us through our brother and minister, James Sanchez. And we got to hear word of God about how the greatest need that man has is his salvation. And it is because we need to be saved that we need the Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, as I was driving to church several times, because I did a couple of trips, I noticed as I was coming back, a man that was watering his lawn. I noticed uh, people standing on the corner, parking far away from the San Fernando swap meet. They've got things they want to go do yard work, laundry that they want to do. But I think to myself, and don't get me wrong, this is just my lifestyle now. How could it be possible that on a Sunday, instead of being in the Lord's house, somebody is concerned about the landscaping? Yes, you got to take care of your landscaping. But today is what we consider the day of the Lord. How can it be possible that somebody is not willing to come to a church service, but they're willing to go to the San Fernando Swami? I mean, there's nothing wrong with going shopping and looking around and doing all those things. But so long as God is number one on our list of priority, God has to be number one. And, and where I'm going with this is all of those that love everything and anything except God. I didn't share this with the first service, but if you uh, remember, there was a time where I shared that my wife and my daughter uh, had gone over to Santa Monica. We were uh, just going about the pier and the beach, and the Lord put it in my heart, and I actually approached 10 different people, and I asked them, may I ask you a question? I just want to do this, this sort of a poll here, just asking 10 people, what do you love? They said, I love pizza. I love this, I love that. And they said everything. The last person, the last person that I asked said, I love the Lord. One out of 10 said, I love the Lord. And I thought to myself, we tend to love and prioritize over so many things. And we feel like maybe some people say, I don't need to go to church. You are here today, but maybe you had something else to do. Maybe you're, you're, uh, you're concerned about something else, but you have made time to be in the house of the Lord. And there's probably people looking at, at this service through Facebook, and, and they've got other things that they've had to do. But we are here, and, and they're paying attention or listening to this because they know there's got to be a time for the Lord. Because I need the Lord. The Lord does not need me. The Lord can use me and wants to use me. But the Lord does not need me. If I go ahead and cross my arms and I say I will not serve and I will not sing, then the Lord will move somebody else and he will pick up a vessel and he will pick them up and turn them around and set them on stone and, and make them be the ones that will carry the word of God and that will serve the Lord. And if they cease to sing and to praise, then the rocks themselves, 
house shall begin to praise God. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let a tree beat me to the punch of worshiping God, nor uh, the wind or, 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 or the birds sing unto the Lord. I've got to sing to the Lord. I've got to praise. The Bible says that let everything that has breath praise the Lord. It's so important for us to remember our need of God. We tend to think we are self-sufficient. There's uh, three things that men out there in the secular world talk about that will make a man in business fall. They say the three dangers are men. Uh, I'm sorry, excuse me. It is money, power, and women. It is through those things. But the Bible says to me that sin comes about through the desires. And the problem of humanity is the desires of the eye, the desire of the flesh, and the vanity of life. Where people feel, I am young and I am strong. And they forget about the fact that they are also vulnerable and temporal. See, death doesn't discriminate and come, uh, come up to the elderly and take them. Death comes up to anyone of any age, of any origin, of any type of status. Death does not discriminate. So what is going to happen if we did not have God as our priority for those men and for those women out there in the world or those that just simply refuse to accept the Lord. They feel that money is everything. Money is very important. And if you had an unlimited amount of money or access to it, it's very possible you can buy anything and you can, you know, I say this and it's very painful. Some of you know about all these scandals of let's gain access to a university or to a very prestigious school. And people have been able to, to bribe their way in and, and some people bribe their way out of long, lengthy sentences. They get the best lawyers because they pay good money. They have the best of everything, the latest. Uh, types of automobiles and the latest luxuries and accessories knowing that all we need really is three things we need food shelter and clothing but these people that have everything and they count on that forget about the fact that money isn't everything fame is not everything and they neglect and, and ignore the fact that they need the lord they come to a time, many of them have had millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars. Many, many, many friends, many acquaintances, but they end up killing themselves. They end up overdosing on drugs by themselves in a room because they have given up on life and they're just trying to get a good night's sleep and they accidentally overdose and they accidentally kill themselves or purposely take their lives because they have a void in their life. They have something that's empty in them and they need something. They're trying to fill it with drugs. They're trying to fill it up with alcohol. They're trying to go out there after the desires of the flesh and immorality and sooner or later they wake up and say I am just not happy I cannot deal with this well I've got good news if it's somebody here in this place or if it's somebody listening through us through the internet service Jesus Christ is the answer to fill that void because he himself is that living water he himself is that daily bread that we need that heavenly bread for our souls the Bible says it shows us a relationship that this man of God had with God. A, ma a young man that at a very early age was a shepherd. He was one of the youngest of his brothers. And he was the one that was least considered important by many of them. Perhaps he was sent out there to be a shepherd because it was the one task that none of the kids wanted to go and do. His brothers were probably very uh, reluctant, unwilling. So he himself would go and he was the shepherd and he uh, had a relationship a very special relationship with God the Bible shows us and tells us he would write poetry and songs unto God and sing a harp and worship God and he wrote Psalms 23 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want and what he's saying is the Lord is my shepherd anything that I need I'm not going to need it anymore because he is my shepherd he makes me lay down or he maketh me to lie down in green pastures what sheep need greatly he leadeth me beside the still waters in other words he gives me abundance of nourishment and 
water for me to enjoy and to, to use for my well-being. He restoreth my soul. He goes beyond that which is the flesh. He goes into the deepest part. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sakes. Praise God. Yo, yea, it says, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me like a sheep is very comforted, very secure in knowing that the shepherd is there with a rod and a staff. David knew what it was like to go after the lion and after the bear and to break its jaws open and to kill it in order to save a sheep. That's what he knew. That is what he could relate to with the Lord. And it says this, you comfort me. In verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, <laughs> when I am afflicted, when I am very concerned, when people are uh, attacking me, when people are criticizing, when people are coming against you, the Lord says, don't worry about it. I've got it all covered. People lose their sleep and people can't even sit down and eat because they're so concerned. But you, you sit down. I am preparing a table before you in the presence of your enemies and then the bible says that he says you anoint my head with oil man my cup runneth over hallelujah there's something about god's anointing upon our lives praise god he don't just fill your cup he makes you feel to the point where you runneth over praise god he just he anoints you he fills your cup he is just everything for you and for me surely goodness and mercy man surely and goodness actually are stalking me everywhere i I go there's surely goodness and there's mercy there I turn the corner and it's right there mercy and goodness I go home and mercy and goodness are waiting for me at the door and when I step out they're right there going with me I'm driving on the highway and mercy and goodness of God are right there with me it's not an evil it is a blessing it is stalking me it is going wherever I go it shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yes, Praise God. It is a wonderful thing to think of our dependence, uh, being dependent on God. We will never be self-sufficient in those things that God Amen. And even in anything, you know, I, I admire and, and completely connect with, with our brother, what he was saying, our brother Sanchez. Uh, some people believe I got a good job. And then they do have a good job. And, and I have this and I have that. But there's a difference when somebody goes out there. Psalms 127 tells us, and I'm going to paraphrase that if mom and dad, uh, if the Lord doesn't edify your home, then, then your mom and your dad are working in vain or you are working in vain if you don't have the Lord edify your home. You could give your kids the best education. You can give them the best food to eat. You can have the best vehicle. You can have the best alarm system. But if you don't edify the, the house with the Lord helping you edify the house, then it's in vain because sooner or later your children will grow up. And if they never knew about the Lord or if they never accepted the Lord, then what good will it do them to end their life or to come to the end of their life? All those things in life are going to stay. The vehicles, the home, the money that you may have in your pocket or maybe in the bank account, whatever it is that you possess will all stay behind. But remember what we said in the beginning, inside of you and I, there is eternity. There is eternity. We will be in existence unto forever. So think about what will happen when we awake after we sleep, when we die. So Psalms 127 says this, that if mom and dad, you know, if the Lord doesn't edify, then Mom and dad worketh in vain. And it says also that if the Lord would to, were to not guard or, or uh, would not keep the city in vain, watch the guard. And what it means is that if you, if you in your place, uh, if you have the best alarm system, if you have a home and you have a yard, you have the, got the best Rottweiler, the best Doberman pincher, it doesn't matter, the best locks, anything, you can have everything and anything, and you are not going to be protected. But if you have the Lord Jesus Christ, that he, El Shaddai, he who guards the house of Israel, the one that is there standing watch, protecting your home, that is there to rebuke death and and those illnesses, just like the Bible says, Psalms 90, maybe a thousand and ten thousand shall fall on either side, but it shall not come to touch you. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. It's just awesome and amazing. 
The Lord himself is the one that protects. We need the Lord. Remember, this is the main focus of this reflection today. We need the Lord. And with the Lord, we receive his blessings. I'm actually going to take you now to a time uh, where this man of God that wrote Psalms 23 goes through a very difficult time in his life. He needed forgiveness. He needed a restored relationship. People think that having a relationship with God is not necessary, but it is the most important thing that we can receive and next after salvation. See, salvation is a result of our relationship with Christ because of what Christ has done for us. By his grace, uh, we receive the word of God, we believe and we repent and are baptized and are saved, but we must maintain this relationship. It's very interesting how this works out. In Psalms number 51, the Bible tells us of a time now, it shows us a window uh, in the time of David. Before this, we, we know that David one day being the king, having everything he wanted and everything he needed, um, becomes very, uh, or becomes negligent. He falls asleep in the palace when he wakes up. He's got nothing better to do according to him. He's walking about in the higher places of the palace. The Bible says then that he lays his eyes on and sees a woman that is nude and that she is bathing. And he covets her in his heart, finds out who she is, that is Uriah's wife, Bathsheba. And he is told of the name and he puts a plan together. He says, tell her to come to the palace. They call her to the palace and he commits sin with her, knowing that her husband is out there in the war, Uriah. Suddenly he finds out, she sends him a notice. David, I have become pregnant. I am with child. So the king comes up with a plan. We're going to call Uriah from the battlefield. When he comes over, we're going to dismiss him and allow him to go home. He's going to spend time with his wife. We'll just say the baby is his. The Bible says Uriah comes over and they attempt to put their plan in action, but Uriah falls asleep at the doors. They ask him the next day, the king says, why didn't you go home? He says, king, how can I go home and spend time with my wife when our people are at war? David knew this man is not going to fall into a trap or we cannot do this trickery. So he writes a letter and he gives it to Uriah. Take this letter. And in this letter, he wrote to the other authorities in the battlefield, place Uriah in the most dangerous section or part or wars or battles so that he may be killed. The Bible says that then Uriah goes with the letter. They place him in a very, very difficult battlefield and he loses his life. To David, everything was taken care of. Now Bathsheba can come to the palace. She was a widow. But the man of God, Nathan, the prophet, comes to the king and he says, King, there is a, a case and the king was used to hearing the most difficult cases. King, there is a man that had only one sheep. And there was another man that had many. The one that had many had invited a guest wanting to feed him sheep. He stole the one only that the other man had, killed it, prepared it, cooked it. And served it to his guest. What shall we do with this man? And the king became irate and angry. And he stood up. That man needs to die. And the prophet looked at him and said. You are that man. David was so shocked. He was just uh, his, like somebody pulled a carpet under his feet. And he just repented. And he declared I have sinned against God. And the prophet said, the Lord has heard your repentance. He sees your repentance and he is forgiving you. But nevertheless, David, why was he so concerned? You see, David knew the history of the king before him named Saul. Saul was a very tall young man that was, that was possessing the qualities of what others would say, that's a king. He was a very uh, prepared young man. He was a man that was anointed by Samuel the prophet as well, just like David was. 
The problem was, though, that Saul was very concerned about what other people thought and wanted to please the people instead of being obedient to God. He depended on the people and it cost him his, his kingdom. The Bible or his time to reign. The Bible says that, uh, the, the, that God speaks to Samuel, says, Samuel, Samuel, why are you crying for Saul? Why do you weep for Saul? If I have already rejected him so that he may not be king over Israel. The reason that God rejected him was because of his disobedience. And David knew the spirit of God had left King Saul and had come, uh, had come upon David. And David's concern was, it's not about the money. It's not about the kingdom. It's about his Holy Spirit. He valued the relationship with God. And he was broken. The little boy is born and he is now getting bigger, but he becomes sick. And David prays and he fasts so much that he looks like he's going to die of starvation. His servants are very concerned. King David, you got to eat. I'm not going to eat. And time passes by and they're very concerned because now the boy has died. And they don't know how to tell the king. He sees it. The boy has died, has he not? Yes, my king, the boy has died. David gets up, almost dying of starvation, goes out, washes his face, sits down and eats. And they look at him and say, David, King David, why? Why would you not eat before? And now that your son has died, it's, even, it's as if nothing. He says, you see, I knew that I could pray and ask God, but God is also a just God. I cannot do anything to stop him. God is absolute. God is absolute. And what I'm going with this is that he knew the way that God would work with him and that God was correcting him. He wrote this, have mercy upon me, O God. According to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. I'm dirty. Wash me from my sins and cleanse me from my sin. And he says this, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is before, before me. I, I know what I've done. I see it. And against thee, uh, thee only have I sinned and done evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. And then what it's saying here is, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you and against you only have I sinned. And I did these evil things. And he's declaring that and saying that. Why? So that others, when they observe this, that they might understand that God is justified when he speaks. I have sinned. He is speaking. He is justified when he speaks. And he is clear when he judges. Because see, other people could have turned around and said, David, it's so unfair for God to have taken that little boy. But David knew, no, God doesn't make a mistake. He is fair. He is just. And I need the Lord. And the Bible shows us then that the attitude of David, his concerns are the following. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. There's a misunderstanding of this verse, but what it really means is that in humanity, my mother of flesh and bone, as a human being, has sin. I myself also in sin. We are sinful. We are human. We have this thing, this tendency, this, this law of sin in us. That we are propensed to sin and will sin against God. He understands that. I am a sinner. And he says, but behold, thou desirest the truth in the inward parts. You want the truth. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me no wisdom. I will have understanding. Then he talks about being cleansed. He felt dirty. How many of you ever had made your mom and dad mad? All of us have. But then there's that one time we really, really, really did it. Where usually, yeah, mom, dad gets mad. They get over it. Right? Supposedly they get over it. But then there was that one time we went overboard and mom and dad didn't get over it right then and there. And usually it's like, okay, you know, mom, I know you're mad. And then we talk about it, you know, like, and then like, 
Yeah, mom's going to say hello or this or that. You still want to eat? But then mom stays quiet. What's wrong with mom? Oh, mom's upset. Dad's upset. And then there's that fear. Oh, my goodness. I think it's for reals this time. <laughs> I think I finally did it. To me, the scariest part was mom saying this. I am placing you in the Lord's hands. Mom, mom, mom. <laughs> when mama would turn around and say that, en las manos de Dios te pongo. Te voy a poner en las manos de Dios. I am going to place you in the Lord's hands. You see, we were afraid of mom, but we were more afraid of God. <laughs> There's just something about God. You don't mess with God. Mom is patient. God is even more patient. But when God really strikes us, when he corrects us, David knows this. That's why his son passed away. Not because God is unfair, but because God is fair. He executes a judgment with mercy, but it's a judgment. So purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. It is to say that he was hearing misery and sadness. I want to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which you have broken may rejoice. He was broken internally, completely. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. I want to be right with you, God. I don't want you to see what I've done anymore. I want you to forgive me. I want you to, you know, uh, restore me internally. You have broken me, God, and I feel filthy. I need you to wash me. I need you to make me clean. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a spirit, a right spirit within me. And cast me not. This was the scariest part for him. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take everything and anything except this, God. Please, don't. Don't take away your Holy Spirit. Restore unto me the joy of salvation and uphold me with thy spirit. Then there's going to be a restoration. Then I will teach transgressors. I'm going to testify about your ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee and deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, for murder, thou, O God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. There's no more sadness. There's no more misery. Now I'm going to sing about the joyful things that you have done. The good things. I'm going to sing, Lord, joyfully. I'm going to rejoice in you. I'm going to be able to sing again. No more sadness, no more depression, no more condemnation. For thou desirest. It says, oh, I'm sorry, verse 15. Oh, Lord, open up my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. I'm going to praise you for you desire it, not a sacrifice. Else I would give you whatever you want, anything. Thou, de thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh, God, thou will not despise. We finish up with these last two verses. Do good unto thy pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem, and thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifice. It's going to be a restoration There's with burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. And they and shall they offer bullocks upon thy, thine altar. A restoration. Even if you don't realize that you need God, you need God. I need God. Everything may seem to be flowing fine, but it's not. Those people that think I've got it all made. There was a young man in the Bible that Jesus taught about as a parable. A young man that had inherited so much. He was just rich. He had it all, but he didn't have any warehouses large enough to house all of his goods. So he puts a plan together, a project and a timeline, and they execute it faithfully and it gets to the point where he says okay everything's done everything's ready all right so you can just relax you can just enjoy everything everything's built everything is stored everything's good and the bible says foolish man tonight they're gonna come take your soul away they're coming for your soul tonight who's all this gonna belong to you see they think they That they don't need God. Brother, I don't drink. Brother, brother, I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I'm not a womanizer. I'm not a liar. I'm not a thief. Well, neither was Cornelius. A Gentile. He was fearful of God. 
He would pray. He would fast. He would give alms to the needy. But God saw all this and sent an angel. And the angel said to him, Cornelius, all these things have risen to the presence of God. Now you need to send people, men, to Job, uh, Hope in Spanish, in this land where it's by the coast, and you're going to find a man named there, Peter or Simon, and you need to tell him to come. He's going to tell you what you need to do. And so Peter comes over and preaches to the Gentiles for the very first time the gospel. And this man believes he is baptized in the name of Jesus. And then he is filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Not only him, but his family as well. So it doesn't, it's not enough to be righteous in the eyes of man. Jesus said, those that do not, are not born again of water and of the spirit cannot enter the kingdom of God. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't matter how nice you are to others. If you are not born of water and of the spirit, if you don't, if you feel, I don't need God. I can just stay home, watch TV, watch a preaching on TV. The truth of the matter is you do need to congregate. You do need the Lord. You need to be saved. It's just that people are dormant in their spirit. Their soul is just asleep. And they are unaware of the fact that they are dead in their sins and transgressions. And it's not until the word of God comes into their lives that they are beginning to waken up. And that's why, see, things are going to change in your life if you're not yet baptized in the name of Jesus. Things are going to start to happen in your life and you're going to start to notice, you know what, I just don't feel right. I feel like maybe there is some truth to this and I just don't feel comfortable. I've known of people that have been uh, drinkers and smokers and the word of God starts to work in their life and they feel I have an addiction and I can't leave it and they, they feel bound by it. and all of a sudden one day it's like man something's just not right and they feel disgust towards that cigarette and they don't desire the alcohol anymore and it's because the word of God has entered their lives and awoken and I want to get saved I need Jesus if you'll stand I wasn't going to be too too long on this In conclusion, we need the Lord. It is an absolute truth. The creation needs the creator. Jesus says in John's chapter 15, compares himself to the true vine. There's vines out there. I'm not talking about those that people see videos on supposedly. Never heard of that. The weirdest things come up now. The weirdest things. I thought they were weird when I was a kid. Uh, but the things, same things repeat. Now there's new expressions that I don't know about. I am the true vine, says Jesus. There's other vines out there. Other things that look like it will work out. Sure. But there's only two paths. A narrow one and a wide one. In the narrow one, we go to church. We have to live a holy life. We have to serve the Lord. We have to go out and bring the lost to Jesus. We have to live a holy life. In the wide one, it sure looks like they're having a good time. They dress however they want. They talk however they want. They make fun of us, the hallelujahs. Tell us we live a boring life and that they're having a good time. But I wasn't too young and not in my 30s yet. Actually, I was still single, so. Because before I was 24, I have a younger brother. Flew in from Michigan. Stay a little bit, a few days in our home with us. Two houses down, they had a party. Loud party. And in the midst of all that loud music, we heard bang, 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 bang. Somebody come, drove up, don't know why. They unloaded a gun. There was a 19-year-old young man on the sidewalk, laying down on the curb, friends holding on to him. He was saying, man, call the ambulance. I feel the bullets right next to my heart. I feel it. I'm dying, man, I'm dying. I'm dying. He never got up. All that party... They never even heard the shots. 
And this young man was dying outside. It was terrible. I had to drive my youngest brother to the airport. The detectives were there and we had to drive on our yard and drive off the sidewalk instead of down the driveway. Then when we came to church, they were holding up signs, donations and car wash for a funeral. The 19-year-old never lived another day after that. And that is sad. And I will never condemn a person because the Bible says, who shall condemn Jesus Christ died on the cross. But I can tell you, according to what the word of God says, we have to be very careful. He was not in a church service. They were drinking, they were smoking, they had their worldly music. And I think that's sad because a young man lost his life. Brother, I'm too young for this. Can't afford to give my life to Jesus right now. You can't afford not to because you never know what's going to happen tonight. If Jesus were to come here tonight, will you be ready to go with him? If we were to close our eyes today for the very last time because we died, are you ready to open up your eyes afterward? See, when you open up your eyes, there's going to be two different scenarios. And you're going to choose today which one you're going to see. Because every day is a choice. One scenario is a wedding. A wedding with the Lamb of God. And we're going to be rejoicing in heaven. And we're going to receive our reward. The other one is a situation already professed in the book of Daniel where some shall open up their eyes ashamed, confused, and shall see a great white throne. There's going to be a book and some books. One will be the book of life. The other ones will be the book of memories. The book of life will be, will be open not to see if their name is there, but to prove to them that their name is not there. And so the book of memories shall be opened and they will be judged accordingly. So it's up to us to choose each and every day which way we go. I need Jesus. I need Jesus today. Brother, you're saved. I know I'm saved, but I still need Jesus. And it's my responsibility to walk with Christ every day and it's yours as well mama and daddy can't save you only Jesus can so you say mom I don't need you dad I don't need you you gotta repent because you're dishonoring God repent and say God I need you I need you Jesus nobody shall save you you will never be able to pay your bribe or anything into getting your name written in the book of life. It is written with the blood of Jesus. You got to accept it today or you lose it forever because you never know what's going to happen. Nobody, mommy, daddy, pastor cannot save you. All we can do is tell you we don't ever want to have a funeral where we have to say, repent and not be able to say this person is now in the presence of God. I don't ever want that for any of you. I want to rejoice. My brother, my sister made it. I said this respectfully. I want to go see Brother Emilio with the help of the Lord. I say that respectfully because I know it's very painful. But I know that, you know, the, 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 the mother-in-law, Sister Agustinita, she was in the Lord. And, and, and Sister Gladys Erica and Brother Emilio's mom was in the Lord. And their daddy came to the Lord. And I'm going to rejoice, but I got to be faithful to the Lord. I got to be ready, and I need him. You need him too. I'm going to invite you to come up to this altar and just be real with God. Be truthful. You don't have to impress me. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. Don't worry about anybody. Don't worry about your neighbor. What others might say, accept. Accept the forgiveness of God. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. Even if you feel like you don't need him, that's all the more reason why you do. I'm a sinner.
I'm a forgiven sinner. And I strive every day. But I have to please the Lord. Yesterday I was walking in the mall with my wife and little one. My big one was there at the mall too. And a man walked by. I said, praise the Lord. He answered me. He said, amen. He was not apostolic, but he looked apostolic. He began quickly to testify of how God provided. He said, my wife became very sick. She was pregnant. The little child was born too early. My wife developed blood clots in her leg. She was in danger of dying. He said, I needed money. I asked the Lord. I thought I'm going to go get a loan. And he said, then the Lord taught me no. He said, the doctors gave me medication from, for one week. The medication cost $500 a week. He said, I needed more medication. They gave me a coupon for a one month supply. I went to LA to go see another doctor they recommended. He had a supply of medication. He says, you can have three weeks worth and here's another coupon. By the time he said, I knew but by before I knew it, there was three months, one week worth of medication. My wife's lungs, one of them is completely clearing, clearing up now. The blood clots are going away. He says, I need God. I need God. That's all I need is God. He says, I needed money, but what I really needed was God. And God said, because you know you need me, I'm going to supply everything that you need. Why don't you close your eyes and say, Lord, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. As the ministers help me pray, Lord, I need you. Praise him if you'll sing. May God use them. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. You are worthy, Lord. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Touch our lives. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. Worthy 